Hello everyone this is Venkat Narayanan host of a podcast in red and welcome to the across the globe show a show which follows the happenings in football across the world today i have with me a special guest on the podcast adit who is a long time barcelona supporter hello bro and welcome to the show hello venkat uh, thank you for having me in this podcast i'm really happy My to pleasure. be here yeah uh, let me introduce myself i'm adit and uh, i'm a supporter of fc barcelona and i've been supporting my club for around uh, 10 years yeah so um this was uh, pep guardiola's quote to his barcelona side on the night of the club world cup final in 2009 gentlemen if you lose today you will still be the best team in the world but if you win you will be eternal the catalan giants had just beaten estudiantes by two goals to one and not only had they won the club world cup but they had also won the sixth silverware of the season completing the famous sextuple as fans like to label it and marking a historical achievement that had previously never been accomplished and to this day it still hasn't that milestone alone is worth its own never ending price but the manner at which it had been achieved is what makes it truly a unique barcelona side However um, fast forwarding a decade later from that special night in Abu Dhabi Barcelona get knocked out of the Spanish uh, Super Cup against Atletico Madrid they lose the Spanish league title to Real Madrid and they get outclassed all over the pitch in an embarrassing 8-2 defeat to the current champions Bayern Munich all in the space of a 5 month period so on today's podcast we take a look at the rise fall another rise and subsequent fall again of fc barcelona and how they have evolved and been forced to change their identity and their principles two things that had previously laid the foundation of their success yeah when pep guardiola announced his departure in 2012 it seemed like there was no better successor than his uh, second in charge tito villanova okay the catalan picked off from where uh, guardiola left them in fact uh, barcelona had only dropped two points at half way across the season accumulating uh, you know 55 out of 57 in the first half if i'm not wrong it was a spanish record interesting yeah however it was the european stage where barca struggled okay they lost to ac milan in the first leg by uh, 2-0 and uh, thanks to messi's magic he won the tie single handedly and the aggregate was uh, 4-0 in the end what a comeback mm. it was mm. but uh, this actually gave warning signs there were talks that barcelona's performance is going down and down okay. this was further proved to proved in the semi quarter finals at the new camp return leg against psg when the french team was 1-0 up and leading on away goals and an injured messi had to come uh, on the half half hour mark with the task of saving his club a task he would be familiar with over the next 7 years true messi came on and uh, in typical messi fashion helped to progress barca to the semi finals mm. the whispers had now become louder and the word messi dependence was introduced thanks to bayern munich that defeated barcelona 7-0 and proved the whole world about the messi's dependence mm. for many this was the final nail in the coffin to pep guardiola's barcelona's dominance a tragic end to the season was made even worse with the news of manager tito villanova being diagnosed with the throat cancer and he had to step down for the rest of the season however uh, all was not blue barcelona managed to finish the uh, season with a record 100 points equaling the previous total set by uh, mourinho's madrid side 
yeah so things got much worse next year um i think as the team finished uh, trophyless under the new coach tata martino um leo messi had also recorded his lowest goal tally in almost 6 years i think and uh, new transfer uh, neymar did not live up to his initial hype and rivals real madrid had also won their much awaited 10th champions league title um barcelona's football was just uncreative slow and their final third was heavily reliant on messi and in the summer of 2014 barcelona also announced that they would be sacking tata martino after just one season in charge and they were going to stick to their roots and hire someone with deep roots to the club after the resignation of sandro russell josep maria bartomeu became the president of fc barcelona on january 23 2014 so luis enrique was uh, roped to step in he a man who had not only spent 8 years with the club as a player but had experience in the spanish division also as well while coaching celta vigo so adit um, what did you make of uh, luis enrique and his uh, initial start as the manager at barcelona uh, yes venkat uh, under enrique barca went through uh, many phases of uh, rebirth then first coming within the squad you know uh, alexis sanchez cesc fabregas and alex song were all sold uh, and uh, veterans such as uh, puyol and valdes had uh, played their final seasons with the club Mm-hmm. and in came uh, claudio bravo trustegan thomas vermeil and jeremy matthew ivan rakitic uh, and uh, the main uh, superstar luis suarez okay barca had signed uh, players that they previously would have hesitated to yeah true yeah initial issues in the first half of the season proved only a short block it was mm-hmm. uh, only against a match against atletico madrid at the new camp that really sent out warning signals to the rest of europe as enrique showed tactical flexibility and for the first time operated messi on the right to switch with suarez in the center a decision that uh, that was actually you know uh, that it, it actually worked okay all of them scored and defeated the league champions 3-1 it was the start of a new trio in town Emerson as they were famously dubbed an answer to rivals Real Madrid PBC but Emerson was different with Neymar and Messi creating magic and running the show and there were no better player than Suarez who was in his prime to complement them so venkat okay. what do you make uh, of his uh, team setup so luis enrique or uh, lucho as we all know had to function yeah. as team around this trio Uh, to get the best out of them and make the most of their attacking prowess so luis enrique basically set them up with a traditional 433 but he adopted a system with quick transitions with the aim to get the ball to the front three as much and as fast as possible this usually meant building up from the back with the center backs playing it either to the wide forwards themselves or to the full backs who would then give it to the attacking players so possession was rarely recycled through the middle and instead of the midfield players usually uh, uh, they had the task more to sit back and cover for the uh, forwards or the adventurous full backs alves and alba um ivan rakitic particularly did this role really well to el- eliminate uh, any defensive burden on the front three 
and this allowed Messi to link up with Alves on the right. It was a very different approach to what they did under Pep, where they would start from the back, build up in the center of the pitch, and then move to the final third. However, this was effective as shown by Enrique winning seven trophies in his first two years, and that included a second treble uh, in a very historic season and back-to-back uh, domestic doubles uh, across the two seasons combined. However, it was in his uh, third and final season where cracks began to show and flaws started being exposed. Okay, so what happened to the team? Uh, you know, when at Barca's midfield three that started the Champions League final in Berlin had now all entered their 30s and uh, twilight of their careers. Uh, their legs were not what they once were and uh, gaps were opened up in the midfield which now cannot be covered as they once were. And even though they had just overturned a 4-0 deficit against PSG in the round of 16, winning 6-1, the club were eventually knocked out by Juventus in the quarterfinals and uh, beaten to the league by Real Madrid. Barca went with uh, traditions yet again, hiring former player Ernesto Valverde and fans were hoping he could finally be the one to restore the identity which now felt like it had been long gone. Hmm. And I think uh, we all know what happened after that. One of the main reasons FC Barcelona have been stuck at zero since uh, since then is a horrible planning by the board. Okay. There's no winning project, there's no planning, in, uh, there's no plan- planning at all. Uh, the president who wouldn't treat his players right, who always hide, hides behind a fan frenzy signing just to fill the gaps, Hmm. which wasn't something good for the future. Under bottom you, we know how uh, player developments were uh, severely affected compared to the previous boards. Hmm. True, but even before Bartomeu, uh, Sandro Russell had already uh, you know, turned FC Barcelona from a truly prestigious football club into a business himself. See, because Russell also did not believe in the club's philosophy. He was also more concerned with signing big-name players. He wanted to sell more shirts and he also wanted to earn more money. So, in a sense, I think that Bartomeu himself um, continued with the same ideology. Yeah, that's actually true. But uh, even though Russell made uh, big money signings, most of them were uh, reasonable and sensible signings uh, compared to what uh, Bartomeu just did. Okay. Bartomeu wasn't uh, concerned with that. Uh, He wanted to splash big money on players for the sake of splashing big cash on players. Hmm. As a result of that, uh, FC Barcelona is struggling both on and off the pitch. Bartomeu had to cut uh, 75% of the players' wages to make up for the losses. The club's financial situation was already poor. The pandemic was just a catalyst uh, for those financial problems to rise to the surface. Apparently, according to reports, the club will have to cover up losses up to, uh, you know, 150 million. So, the current squad is also, I think, an indicator of how horrible the planning by this board has actually been. Because if you if you saw the game against Alavis, for example, Barcelona yeah. had only 16 squad players and two of them were goalkeepers. And that is ridiculous, actually. That I mean, that meant only three subs could be used. And, and yeah. some people were even joking that it was time to see, you know, someone like Ter Stegen in, in midfield. That was how much of a joke it, the team had become at that point. So, this board literally spent 1 billion or around 1 billion, okay? Doesn't make much of a difference. They have only made the club situation worse that way. 
i don't want to be too cynical but that's just the reality of the situation uh, to me this board has never moved on from neymar even after he left they went after him again and again and even to this day they are trying to sign him back and to find neymar's replacement look what they had to do they went and signed dembele for rec- for record breaking 105 million and what, we know what happened later they signed felipe coutinho for an initial initial 105 million pounds i think which rose to 142 million with various clauses look what happened after that and here comes a final nail in the coffin for bartomeu he signed antoine griezmann for 135 million so um i think that this has been a discussion we both have had before so yeah. what do you think about all these signings that he made yeah so a total of uh, 382 million was uh, spent on these three players and arguably no one uh, has actually worked out Coutinho started well but eventually dropped off and felt like a shadow of his former self. Uh Dembele is a fantastic player but he's always injured. Okay. And the transfer fee paid for him was too high. I mean uh, mm. he hasn't proved his worth despite showing glimpses of greatness. Yeah. Uh Griezmann is rather a curious case. He hasn't yet uh, found his place. Okay. Uh he has shown his quality at times uh, mainly against Villarreal with that fantastic Messi rescue chip finish. Mm-hmm. Griezmann has also scored 16 goals this season but you know it is actually quite decent but still it is not up to his level mm, true uh, and he has also you know looked rough at times not knowing what to do and has struggled to link up with Messi and Suarez mm-hmm. uh, I would say Griezmann isn't a striker but he usually plays behind uh, the striker that, and that's what he has done most of his career in uh, Atletico Madrid yeah the board uh, the board should have known that and it would have been uh, you know um extremely hard for him to fit that uh, bassas uh, style of play yeah that's true and i think that's the same case with coutinho also because he is not a winger he is someone who likes to drop deep say like messi himself he was never going to take messi's place so why did they even sign him because it is no coincidence that coutinho has been great whenever messi did not play especially like that game against levante for example that uh, that ended passas unbeaten run in 2018 that's because he was able to take up that free deep role on the wing something very similar to what messi does on the right flank yeah that is true uh, venkat and uh, i want to discuss about another uh, shady move about uh, uh, bartomeu Uh, you know mm. uh when he uh, signed uh, pianic uh, trying to swap arthur yeah he, he literally swapped a 23 year uh, uh, 23 year potential player with a 29 year old player i don't know why uh, he even did that nothing mm. against pianic is a fantastic player and i'm sure he'll fit into the team well but uh, the team is already old with average age of the starting 11 rising up to 30 in some games mm. Uh, he would also uh, take game time away from young players like Luis Alenia Petri. As I told, uh, the player development under Bartomeu has been really poor. Mm, I get that. So it is no secret that coaches do not have any power, whomsoever, under this board. They all just do what the board demands of them. You know the the infamous uh, manager Ernesto Valverde, who coached FC Barcelona for two and a half years. had uh, no control over any of the decisions and signings all of them were made 
by the board he wasn't allowed to have a say in almost any of them yeah that's true uh, actually uh, valverde was a decent coach but uh, he should have never been appointed as uh, a barcelona coach in the first place he okay. was never the right fit for them his style directly conflicted with the club he never trusted youth he was not liked by the fans either i think we can all agree that uh, he should have been sacked after that horrendous disgraceful second leg performance against liverpool at the anfield but bottomy and the board uh, wanted to keep him for another season as we all know it did not end up well yeah so they sacked valverde after two and a half years in charge i don't really see the sense in sacking a coach midway in a season yeah. because that leaves the team essentially stranded in no man's land but they eventually signed kike setian a guy who i really liked actually a really good coach in my opinion but things never really favored setian either because he barely had a squad he barely had any of the players that he actually wanted and most of the squad were already in shambles i think psychologically and physically yeah. in a way and the season didn't go well at all it ended trophyless and it ended up with setian being sacked and as usual uh, joseph bartomeu took no responsibility whatsoever himself he hid behind uh, setian sacked him and hid behind eric abidal sacked him one day later and uh, now he appointed uh, ronald coman because what i feel is that he wanted to hire someone who he knew that the fans would really approve of so what i really feel now is that fc barcelona really really need a coach that commands respect a coach that is fearless a coach that implements the barcelona philosophy to, to the fullest but is also able to control player power so i so i want to talk a little bit about uh, ronald coman um obviously we have not seen a lot of him before um so what are your expectations of ronald coman this season and what do you think he hopes to achieve at fc barcelona uh yeah uh, venkat um, this is actually something to be discussed uh, mm-hmm. and about ronald coman i haven't seen much games of his uh, you know managerial uh, uh, career and okay. uh, i mean uh, i know that he was uh, sacked as uh, everton uh, manager and uh, later he took up a job in uh, netherlands national team mm-hmm. uh, but the thing is i haven't seen much of his gameplay yet and uh, mm-hmm. if i have to uh, talk about his uh, play style actually you know liked the way he approached barcelona the way barcelona players started playing under him in the first uh, two or three games in uh, uh, the friendly encounter against a uh, few teams Okay. this season mm. and uh, the thing is coman uh, he had uh, previously promised barca fans that uh, he would uh, you know do well with uh, player developments and stuff but uh, the recent news which uh, uh, came out um, i mean he's trying to uh, he's trying to sell uh, ricky puig who is a very talented lad in uh, the academy he's from yeah. la masia he's trying to push him out i don't know why uh, he would even do that Yeah. Uh, he's he's actually you know uh, he would be a, a great use for the future but him tra- him trying to sell Ricky Puig right now i don't think that's a good decision and uh, mm. that actually you know questions me about uh, ronald coman's managerial career over here i think 
if he's having this kind of mindset i don't think uh, that'll be good for the club you know barcelona is uh, famous for uh, la masia and uh, the talents if he's yeah. trying to push uh, if he's trying to push a talent out and uh, sign sign in players like vinaldum which uh, which for i mean vinaldum was uh, previously linked with barcelona if he's trying to sign players like vinaldum i don't know what to say i'm just i mean we, we have to just wait and see what's going to happen yeah um personally i'm not a huge fan of this appointment um i have been following the premier league for quite a couple of years and i have seen his everton and southampton teams play before and to be honest he was pretty underwhelming there is it i get that they are everton and southampton they are not the big uh, clubs in europe or they don't have the best players so i really want to see what he can do um, with some of the best players in the world in his setup because yeah for the dutch national team he actually um, did quite a good job and brought them back by helping them qualify for the euros they had actually missed out qualifying for the 2018 um, world cup and yeah. uh, they had been absent in the international scene for quite a long time so um, credit to him he has actually helped the team get back uh, in the international scene so i really want to see what he does bring i think for me it's a bit early to judge him on what he tries to achieve or what he sets out to achieve here and oh, fingers sure. crossed hopefully he has a good uh, period here um yeah so to conclude everything i'd say that barca's dominance under this board has weakened season after season that's the harsh truth with less than one year left until the elections i can only hope the socios you know elect uh, victor font like you said the board yeah. really needs to go barca needs a change and bartomeu really has to go now so thanks a lot adit for coming on today's show it was good to have your insights on the situation at fc barcelona looking forward to the ne- next one here's to hoping that in 2021 uh, victor font will get elected and we finally push start for a good winning project probably with someone like xavi as a head coach so thank you everyone for listening in see you soon in the next episode until then goodbye